You're listening to Podcast PXN, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo. Let's do this. What's up, guys? Welcome to Podcast PXN episode 13. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Prindle, and I am joined by the pride of PlayStation, Sean Babiak. Sean, I forgot to mention that I am also Dan is DTM on Twitter. So why does it say insert Sean on the run of show? Because I never know what you want to say. So there's always some stupid quip that you come up with that I feel like you should be able to come up with on a weekly basis. So then that's why I put insert Sean there. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I mean, you're asking too much of improv comedy here, and I can improvise, but not comedy. I mean, it's not all gold. I feel like anyone should be able to do that. But, anyways, <laughs> you thank you to everyone in the live chat for coming out to the show. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. Just search Podcast PXN, and you will find us on there. The show always starts with the PXN News of the Week, so let's go ahead and jump right in. First up on PXN News of the Week, we have an awesome news story from Fallout 76. You will not be surprised to hear it's actually not an awesome news story. It is an absurd subscription. Oh, that was a misnomer. I thought you were being real. (laughs) Yeah. It's an absurd subscription that Bethesda has come up with for Fallout 76. So for $12.99 a month or $99.99 a year... You get private worlds for yourself and up to seven friends, a scrap box with unlimited storage for crafting materials, a survival tent that acts as a placeable fast travel point, uh, some atoms, and a unique armor outfit. Anyways, this is freaking absurd. So Game Pass costs $9.99, $3 less than this a month. And you can get Fallout New Vegas and Outer Worlds, which both are very, very similar in like that Fallout-esque. Or you can pay $3 more for this and play a game that no one really wanted in Fallout 76. This is pretty absurd. I don't understand who this is for, to be honest with you. I don't know who... There must be some sort of dedicated community that's still playing this game. That like still wants to support it. I just... I I thought we all... We all took universally took a dump on this game last year and this whole thing yeah. i figured we all forgot about it at this point and yet it's still part of our conversation yeah and it's just it never gets better no like there's never any good news about this whole topic yeah the best news will be fallout or bethesda admitting that fallout 76 is a failure moving on to next project Which, that's the only news i want to hear i don't at this point i'm not sure that they're going to admit that uh, no, they just said they made mistakes at E3. Yeah. And that was that's about as which, close as we're coming to. Which, that's the crazy thing. They, In my opinion, they had such a strong showing at E3 2019 this year for Fallout 76 because they showed a lot of the things people wanted, NPCs and quest lines and traditional Fallout stuff in Fallout 76, and then they do something stupid like this. Like, why, like you said, who's going to pay for this? Nobody's going to pay for this. They might get some people that are diehard Fallout 76 people, which I feel like those are few and far between. But why, what is the point in buying this? I don't don't know. I will be very surprised if they ever release numbers, what this ends up being. If we ever see subscription numbers. I I doubt we will. I I doubt either. Yeah. So 
Next on the news of the week, we have Darksiders Genesis uh, coming with a release date. But, I'm putting uh, myself in my hood and I'm done for the rest of this news story. Yeah, so uh, it's coming December 5th, so sooner than I expected it, but exclusively to Stadia and PC. So it's coming to consoles later in February 2020. What do you think about so, that? So the most frustrating thing for me is that Doom ended up becoming one of my most anticipated games this year. Just with everything that I've been seeing from it, it actually, I know this is actually one of our first episodes, I think it was actually the very first episode we talked about games we were anticipating Mm -hmm. for the fall. Doom was on your radar, it wasn't on mine as far as top five, but now it is. So I was looking forward to playing that. Then it gets kicked out into the next quarter, or I believe in quarter two, uh, just with how late it is in March. Can we stop? Like, the spring and the late winter is just a nightmare anymore. Like, we're going to talk about another topic later, and you have a game on there that I've yet to play because it came out during a busy season for me. Yeah. And it's just... And look, everyone knows this actually was on my top five games, that I am so looking forward to this. I love the Darksiders series. Um, I guess good for Stadia for finally getting some sort of exclusive to launch on their platform. Even though it's only time. Yeah, yeah, in a very short time exclusive. Yeah, uh, but like, man, why, why did that get delayed? Or and I, I personally thinking it's not anything to do with the delay. It's whatever Google threw at them. Oh yeah, I'm sure they threw. I money. just don't know if it's like a. If, Stadia still doesn't have, in my opinion, the system seller, or well. Not a system seller, but the Chrome seller, I yeah. guess you should say. Yeah. It still doesn't have that for me. And I don't even think this is it. Don't get me wrong. I'm very excited for this game. It's yeah. not something that you're like, oh, man, I got to buy this for this. For two months early exactly, access. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's just disappointing that they're going to get it. I mean, the nice thing is I'll get to watch some uh, playthroughs. Um, this is Yeah, this is something that I definitely want to play. But as we know in our adult life, you have to kind of watch your time. And your investments in games, so you don't want to just keep spending money all willy-nilly, um, unless obviously you have like Game Pass or something. Yeah. Uh, so you want to make sure your investments are worth it. Yeah. I buy less games than I do back when I was a kid because I had the time for it. Right. Obviously, we don't have the time to play endlessly anymore. It's that crazy dichotomy where you don't have the money, but you have the time. You yeah. ha- have the money and don't have the time. That's very so. true. Yeah, that's like, unfortunately, I've found like in this stage of my life, like there's so many like RPGs that I want to try. Yeah. I've even wanted to get back into Witcher to try to give it a real go. But it's like, I don't have that time to invest. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one, well, that's one exciting thing about uh, Outer Worlds that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, I saw that people were saying it's only like 30 hours, which you say only, but that's small for an RPG. For an RPG, that is, like, we always talk about the sweet spot from South Park, Obsidian's other game. Yeah. Like how that is quintessentially a JRPG, just in the mechanics of it, Mm -hmm. and those are traditionally like 60-plus hours, even on the SNES. And that game was even 100%ing 12, 15 hours. Yeah. I mean, that was so perfect to have, and I like those experiences a lot better than... I think, yeah, this is a topic that I definitely want to talk eventually, like on the show, but about trends in games that I'm not a fan of. I mentioned yeah. these earlier this week is that I am in the firm belief that not every single thing has to be open world. Yeah. And that's what it feels like, and that's what kills my grind. And I know Darksiders Genesis was not going to be open world, it was going to be mission based. Yeah. Uh, but it still is a bummer that I'm not going to get to play it till February at the earliest, 
probably later than that because the last of us too oh yeah i mean the final mm-hmm. fantasy 7 it's just it's gonna be crazy this end of the generation is going to be the death of me as far as consoles <laughs> yeah definitely a lot of stuff coming at once for sure so third item on our news of the week is diablo 4 may have been outed in a brand new ad for an art book uh so i guess they were listing diablo games and had diablo iv on there so that's kind of exciting first i am so glad that that was always my worry diablo 3 read uh wrote such a popular roller coaster to popularity i think more so than two and one but there was such a gap in release between um two and three i think it was over 10 plus years as far as how many years was between two and three i could be wrong on that exact date yeah but i was hoping that wouldn't be the same for three and four because i think obviously the success of three was going to show you that they were making a four not just that mobile bs um so yeah wait wasn't everyone super excited when they announced the mobile all of blizzard ceos were yeah no one else (laughs) no one else (laughs) but i i don't know i really hope that uh whatever this ends up being i hope that they really learn from i believe the main success of diablo 3 and that is to not delay the console launch Mm. i think from everything that i have read that Diablo 3 sold very well on consoles. And you and I talked about before how they finally were able to figure out great button placement on both Xbox and PlayStation, even Switch. I bought it on my Switch. Of how to utilize console controllers uh, without having a keyboard. Um, So I really hope that whatever it is, it launches day and day. Now, will I get a Switch? It's probably not going to come on the Switch. I hate to say that, but you got to think everything's going to be up res. We're already seeing the Switch kind of starting to get maxed out of some things. We'll see. And Diablo 3 was my first experience with the Diablo franchise, and I freaking love that game. That was so good. I played 2 for a bit back when I used to play on PC. Yeah. But 3, 10 times better. I mean, don't get me wrong, the story's still muddled, demonic stories in my opinion, but the combat, the loop, all that stuff was just perfect, and the co-op worked seamlessly. Oh, I agree completely. Uh, I'll let you take the next two stories because those are kind of more your wheelhouse. Uh, so my uh, friends and family, Borderlands Vacation is a little bit over for me. I'm going back to it. So uh, Borderlands 3, uh, the Bloody Harvest free event uh, has been confirmed to launch actually tomorrow yeah. on the 24th. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to get a new planet, a uh, new exclusive boss i think it's like captain haunt or something like that i'm I'm trying to look it up right now but i have i'm I'm not seeing it just yet but it's got uh a lot of cool things and in it it's also got this kind of weird uh collectible that's only exclusive to this and i believe it just gets transferred over afterwards um to kind of like what you need my guess is either iridium or cash even though iridium right now is kind of broken um, I don't know if you've heard all about that, but the, mm. these this 10th anniversary of Borderlands yeah. um, has been kind of screwing with a lot of this stuff. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So it's it's a little weird how that whole thing's been going. So I guess you get cosmetic rewards, including an Echo device skin, a shrunken head weapon trinket, a Halloween-themed global weapon skin, a new skin for each of the four Vault Hunters. That looks kind of cool. It's kind of like a Halloween-flavored yeah. skin. Yeah. That's pretty neat. 
Uh, it is the first one in a run of limited series nope. that they're doing. So my guess is you'll probably see something Christmassy, maybe something Thanksgivingy. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I really like that this is free for people that didn't buy the DLC. Like I obviously pre-ordered it, so I got the DLC. Right. Um, but I'm really glad that even my friends that haven't gotten the DLC, the ones that I played with, um, they're able to jump in that event with me if they want. Um, I really am hopeful that this is works very well tomorrow. I obviously am nervous as far as day la- day one launches. Yeah, uh, a lot of things generally go wrong, but I just really think this is a cool support thing that they do, and they could have monetized this, and they didn't. Yeah, uh, especially given your procl- proclivity for uh, Randy Pitchford. I could see him doing this, but he did not. I hate Randy Pitchford. Let's just make that clear. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I'm excited to actually get back into this. It's been since that week where I spent three full days in that game that I played. The most disappointing thing about this entire podcast has been I haven't had my uh, people I hate in a while, you know? That's been that's missing. True, but you the can't, last several f- podcasts. Episodes. You can't say it's Randy Pitchford. You've already used that. That's, that's true. I'll have to think of somebody. Yeah, else. I mean, you can't. You can't just screw yourself over with that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know if you're gonna jump in with it as well. Just kind of check it out, yeah, see I'll what it's about. It yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited for it. Um. Our next uh, topic is the medieval review. So, or medieval. I don't know. However, you want to pronounce it. So, this is a PS1 game from back in the day that is being remade, uh, basically remastered. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> the worst the name out of any remastered ever. Second place is Definitive oh, Edition. Oh, that's awful, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's made from the PS1 days. Uh, I This isn't like a very, very, very well-known franchise. Don't get me wrong, it is a spinoff of Ghouls and Goblins from the SNES and NES days, but it's not like something that's beloved like Spyro or um, Crash Bandicoot, something like that. It's just something that is recognizable with PlayStation. Uh, But the reviews are coming out. Um, Metacritics, right now, they're floating between like sixes and sevens Mm. out of a ten-point scale. So very okay. Yeah, very okay, which... I would assess, just given my experience when I played the games when I was a kid, I would 100% agree with that. I was not looking at this game as something that's like, oh my gosh, light the fires, this game's going to be like the greatest platformer slash action game that there ever was. It was already an okay game on PS1. I assume this is what it was going to translate to PS4. Um, I I, I like, though, how they did want to go back to this franchise. It gives me hope that... Maybe some other things will be pulled out of the wheelhouse uh, just to see what else they can kind of dig out and remaster. Maybe if it's a series that could continue these days. Um, It seems that probably the crux of a lot of reviews, uh, specifically IGN's, was um, the checkpoint system and how it's as unforgiving as it would be back in those days, which I totally get and I understand the frustrations with it. The only thing is you should not be going into this game thinking that this is your typical platformer. It is in the vein of Ghouls and Goblins, Super Ghouls and Goblins, which are notoriously hard games. I actually told you when the SNES collection launched, I beat Super Ghouls and Goblins for the first time in my entire life because I had the rewind feature. That's crazy. Yeah, because you only have three lives. You have to go through all six phases. You find out 
oh no, you need the key. So you have to go redo all six phases again yeah. with bought, uh, characters thrown in there from different areas of the map. That was something that Rare did really good with Rare Replay too. They have those uh, checkpoints that they added and also that replay mm. feature. That's really So cool. like I can understand how people don't want that these days. Um, I also hear that there's like some bugs going on uh like with the game itself which is that's a little disappointing yeah for it but overall again this is exactly what i expected i'm not i'm not one that's gonna jump on this day one yeah I, my hope is it's a ps plus game at some point um because i think that would be a perfect type of thing and they're not afraid to do newer games in ps plus as detroit uh kind of showed that was less than a year and they did that as an ex- a ps plus game yeah. so pick it up if you are just interested in kind of a little bit of history and want a more updated, less polygon version. When is Sony going to add first-party games to PS Now, like permanently? Permanently? I don't know. Um, <laughs> my guess is if you're looking for anything to compete Game Pass-wise, you're not getting it until next generation. Because yeah. in my mind, and don't I don't necessarily agree with this business model, but I understand the business model, yeah. is they won this war of this generation. Hands down, they won this war. So they don't have to do anything necessarily from a business side as far as fan service or taking care of them. But no one wins the following launch. Everything is on an even keel. It does not... I mean, look, PS2 is known as the best-selling console of all time. They lost going into the PS3, Xbox 360. So it's anybody's game as soon as a console launches. It's how you get your messaging across. Is that going to be a powerful message for Xbox going forward? 100%. Can Sony duplicate that possibly it's up to them if they want to yeah so we'll see be prepared for a uh, 6.99 price point for playstation <laughs> well like i think we even said this last last week i hope we did yeah. but if you're not preparing for minimum 4.99 per console oh, for yeah. the base console oh, yeah. you're out of this world there's no way they're gonna be ah, as cheap. i see what you did there out of this world i don't that know that brings us to our last <laughs> news story which is outer world should i take a bow should yeah, i take that, a bow that, that was, was really good you, you didn't even intentionally do it but I i'm mean, gonna say i did though yeah. and just play it along <laughs> so outer worlds is getting uh really good reviews this week i am very very excited so specifically for one person Oh, God, yeah. Back to the Daniel hate train. Uh, Dan Stapleton reviewed it on IGN. I can't stand him. As soon as I saw his name, I was like, I ain't reading IGN's review. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Dan. Uh, Not sorry. Um, But it's been reviewed very well. A lot of people are praising the uh, very open nature. Uh, It's it's a very linear-based game uh, as far as storytelling goes. Uh, You basically travel from planet to planet with your ships, but then uh, when you travel to those planets, it really opens up and becomes like an open area, so to speak. Um, So I'm very excited to check this out. Initially, when I was kind of uh, thinking about Outer Worlds, I was thinking like Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, because Obsidian obviously made Fallout New Vegas, and... I was thinking it was going to be open world. I didn't even realize that it was going to be a very linear game, just basically open Was the name kind of the misnomer for you on that? Sort of, yeah. (laughs) But also their history. I mean, just based on what everything we've seen, it looks very Fallout-esque. And just thinking that, my brain instantly Yeah, the Inside Xbox trailer made me think that it was like a combination of Fallout and almost Bioshock-y with how they were presenting things. But this, this... In my opinion, this makes it 
awesome and i'm very excited about this because this is basically streamlining the game to be a much smaller experience so that's why it's only a 30 hour experience rather than a 200 hour experience like for instance fallout 3 fallout 3 and fallout new vegas i spent probably 130 hours in each of those so 260 total and this is really driving that down one path and that's what makes me very excited because as we were talking about before we just don't have the time that we once did as we were younger so i'm very excited to experience something that's very much fallout-esque but not in that same time commitment and also something that's especially given like the season we're in because next week is luigi's mansion and call of duty Actually, yeah. um there's call of duty this week call of duty comes out friday, friday with okay. outer world so yep. and then like, i know you're not luigi's mansion but i am and so it's just like where do you have the time in the fall let alone any other time of the year at this point the yeah. summer lull which is only about a month is your real time to play games and yep. at that point you don't want to be inside in the summer exactly and uh, kind of backboning off of that uh, uh comment about open world before piggybacking uh, not backboning whatever <laughs> back <laughs> piggybacking i was just trying to get a transition into the next comment okay uh, piggybacking off of the open world stuff they actually the developers at obsidian actually specifically said the outer world sequel that will most likely happen will probably won't be uh open world which is to me that's great that's exactly what i want to see because we have plenty of open world games now as we were talking about before many games force open worlds on on games that don't necessarily need them so i'm very excited to just experience something that's open world-esque but continues that linear story that gets you through the story in 30 like or less tomb hours. raider 2 what they were able to do with an open world is yeah. kind of my picturesque if you're gonna incorporate it incorporate it like that yeah i think tomb raider shadow went a little bit too much on it a little it was a little too opening especially when you got into like the city and stuff like that um but i i did like how you were in a smaller version open world then did a bunch of missions all around it then went to a new map that type of thing and we were actually talking about that the other day about games forcing open worlds like Gears 5 had an open area, which I liked, but uh, it, it did feel kind of forced, yeah. like an open area. This is very much more catered to this type of game. Like, this this makes sense for this game because you're traveling to planets and want to explore vast areas that makes you feel like it's an open Yeah, world. and don't get me wrong. Some games do that very well. Yeah. You say Gears 5. I kind of call back to last year's God of War. That mm. was all open. It really fit in well with the story, especially with how they wanted to market that with being a single camera use yeah. uh, with that whole thing. So it made sense to do that, not load in between and that type of thing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's not necessarily always a bad thing. It just doesn't necessarily be a needed trend. Yeah. But luckily, Obsidian recognizes this stuff and is not not afraid to try new things, in my opinion. I think yeah. no matter what they've shown, because they've worked on excuse me, Fallout, so Bethesda-type sequels. South they Park. did South Park. They also were the ones on KOTOR, too. I don't know if you yes. remember that. Yep. Uh, so Bioware. So they understand RPGs. Yep. But they also Alpha understand... Protocol. Yeah, they also understand how to... I was trying to graze by that yeah. one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They also understand, though, how to look at the wheel and try to reinvent it. What yeah. can they do? What can they improve upon? And what can they steal, um, essentially, to enhance the genre? Yeah. And 
the that's what's amazing about Obsidian, and that's why I was so excited when Microsoft acquired them last year. They were by far the biggest acquisition for me personally. Uh, I absolutely love a lot of their games, so I'm very excited to see what they do with first-party money backed behind them. Like with I'm Microsoft surprised backing. they didn't give them the go-ahead for the Fable license, personally. I thought that would have been a kind of tier team to do granted yeah. it's not their type of rpg and but they've shown they can do action rpgs with kotor and that was a little later on because it was yeah fa- uh, fable well fable. rumors say yeah. that fable has been in development for a little while like a couple years now by playground games second team but I, but what they're doing there still makes sense because they're building a team of uh rpg veterans on playground to that's true that i mean game. the heads of the studio wrote for the original fallout game yeah so i mean they understand where their rpg heritage is essentially yep agreed so we'll move on to the games we are playing so real quick in ca- case anybody's wondering um that will actually we're leaning towards that topic of the show for outer worlds next week we just want to do it this week just due to the fact that daniel hasn't had a chance to get his hands on it just yet yeah uh, but that was kind of friday yep uh, so games we were playing Metro Exodus. I picked back up. So I was kind of uh, about halfway through Metro Exodus when I kind of stopped playing. I've I've been awful with my backlog. I've got so many things in my backlog. And that was uh, a D Day game. Yes, and that was in February or February twenty third. Yeah, twenty twenty third, twenty first, something like that. Yeah, and uh, I love the Metro series as I've said multiple times on this show. Metro Exodus for me, uh, I think the reason why I didn't uh, complete it so quickly was because of the open world nature of the game. Uh, I feel like it lost some of the uh, excitement of what made the first two games so good, the tension and the underground areas of the Metro. They kind of lost that when they went open world, in my opinion. Uh, But I will say, I made it to the last area in Metro Exodus. I haven't beaten it yet. But the last area very much harpens back to the first two games. And I don't want to spoil too much, but it very much uh, goes back to what makes those first two games so good. And I was so freaking excited to, to start this last section of Metro Exodus. So I'm very, very, very excited to see what the ending is and see how this uh, campaign unfolds. Uh, especially since there are rumors that they're already working on another game, another Metro game. So... Uh, my other game I'm playing is a surprise, Apex Legends. You've it's always a surprise that, because right? you ripped on me for always playing it, and now That's you're true. on it. I've only played it a couple of times in the last week. It's fine. He's on uh, it 24-7. Yeah, that's not true. So I played the new uh, the new map. I actually played the new mode, the solo mode that is like a uh, kind of like a zombie Shadowfall. Type. Shadowfall, yes. And that was kind of interesting as, as well. It's kind of It's kind of difficult, though, because you die and you become like the shadow or whatever and it's the shadows versus the people playing but the people playing are still fighting each other and then you're the shadow but the thing is the shadow dies like in one shot so it was it felt like very uh boring to be a shadow like i don't feel like anyone who dies is gonna want to stay in the game just to be a shadow you know people are just gonna quit out you know you have to do something else to make it exciting i I didn't feel like that aspect of it was that that exciting but the new map uh for apex season three is awesome i I really like the new map uh they they have very 
diverse areas now so they have like icelands and stuff like that that i feel like the first map didn't have very similar to how fortnite launched it had a very plain map that they evolved over time um so yeah i'm very much enjoying that yep and i won't go back to it just yet <laughs> i i can't i can't i really you should can't. at least like check it out i can't just I, for... i'll get hooked again and i and i had so many i might i need to at least Make a I, dent into what I purchased. I know for a fact you have friends out there that are clamoring for you to play. You they should are. Just, they you should are. just play play couple matches with. Well, them. luckily now Emily is on my side because she got the game that I've been playing, Link's Awakening. That was a good transition. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I did finally purchase Link's Awakening. Uh, I, of course, as everyone knows, uh, I'm a huge Zelda nerd. I just love every game even the wii games and i'm not i'm not as low on skyward sword i'm actually more lower on twilight princess than skyward sword um but uh this is obviously a big launch for nintendo this year it came out in september uh, but this is a remake of the Link's awakening game from the game boy which already got remade on the game boy color um this remake is very well attended to i am loving it it is shot for shot the same game really um and somebody who loves zelda and frequently replays because i could tell you pretty much how to get through the first one link to the past uh or sorry um yeah link to the past actually a link between worlds i played the hell out of that mm-hmm. um breath of the wild for the most part i put so many hours into that so good uh majora's mask any of that stuff so it's so nice that i going Ocarina. back to this game I actually put more time into Majora's than Ocarina. Oh. I like Majora better. What? No. Yeah, I, I, I love the weirdness. And this is another yeah. game that's very weird when it's in the Zelda series. Yeah. But it's literally like things... I'm remembering all this stuff as far as where to go. The only thing I had to look up was the trading sequence, mm-hmm. um, which I just forgot where I was supposed to go for uh, to get a mermaid scale. Um, but I remember pretty much everything. So it was really cool that... Yes, it is a remake in yeah. all senses, but it's not like a reimagining. It's just the same game. Just beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it is very beautiful how they do this isometric um, top-down view with it being a 3D model while also doing this almost like smudging of the screens on the outside hmm. for your transition. So a lot of top-down Zeldas, you move tile to tile. Right. So it's not necessarily like open. Smooth. Where yeah. This time, it's not tile to tile. It's all open. It goes seamlessly into Mysterious Woods or um, Mabel Vi- uh, May Village, that type of stuff. So that's really cool. My issue right now is that it is very much a game from the 1990s. Uh, so what I mean by that is this isn't a long Zelda. This isn't a Zelda you're going to put 20, 30 hours into it. I am probably around... 10 and i have actually made sure that i've upgraded everything i've gone to the optional dungeon i only have one and a half more left because i'm in the face dungeon right now um but it's very slow in its pace it is a lot shorter of a map hmm. uh for it um so they don't really have you run unless you have the pegasus boots so you're kind of just walking to everywhere which is fine i get that um, the fast travel does help with that stuff, and it looks pretty. Yeah. Um, but it is a very slower-paced Zelda in that sense. Uh, it's a quality of life things. You don't just have to... It used to be, in this game, because it was on a Game Boy, uh, or in Game Boy Color, you had to have... You only had two buttons on those. Mm-hmm. So your sword and shield would take up those two buttons. So you'd have to sacrifice one to have something else on it. Gotcha. Now, obviously, with the Switch, you have a little bit more autonomy when it comes to the buttons for it. 
Um, I'm obviously going to be- beat this. This was a game that I was highly anticipated uh, for the entire fall. They did a very good job kind of cleaning this up. Uh, my hope is, though, that this isn't... I don't want this to become a trend for Zelda. I love the top-downs as much as I love the open worlds and the 3Ds. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to start saying, you know what, we should remake another one. Let's do Oracle Seasons or something like that. I I want new ideas just like a, a Link Between Worlds did. Yeah. Um, I thought that was so well done, and it was, it was a spiritual successor to A Link to the Past. Yeah. But I can't wait till I'm done because I really do want you to try it because I know you've never played a top-down Zelda before. Yep. Um, just to kind of get a feel, see if it's maybe something that you want to try out. I've only actually played two Zeldas yeah, in Ocarina my and Breath, life, and I love them. Yeah, but, but you've yeah. never experienced how Zelda actually started. Right. Um, I won't yep. steer you on to Zelda 2 because I think you'll be like, why? how is this a Zelda? Yeah. Um, but I am very much looking forward to completing this and starting it over on hero mode uh shout out i know i mentioned it earlier um i will have uh hopeful quick impressions of luigi's mansion 3 i do have that pre-ordered um downfall it does come out wednesday so the day that we're airing um so like i would have maybe an hour into it if that uh but i'm very much looking forward to that game as i've said before cool awesome all right, so we'll jump into our topic of the show. So we are doing a Game of the Year watch for 2019. Uh, so a lot of people like to do their Game of the Year watch, state of the industry, stuff like that. We got a, just about a little over three months until the end of the year. Uh, obviously in December, Jeff Keighley will have the Game Awards, where the most popular game, and when I say most popular, I mean not really... The most popular, but the most voted upon game will get the Game of the Year award. Um, Which I will say, specifically recently, I think most, if not all, have all been justified. Yeah. Uh, I mean, God of War getting Game of the Year last year was a very, very good game. And I get people loved Red Red Dead, Dead. but the Red Dead still was what we thought it was going to be, just a little better. God of War took everyone by complete surprise with how invested they were. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. There's, You could give an explanation for either one of those games, and almost every year there's multiple games that you could say, hey, this could get Game of the Year, but it's all a matter of opinion. It's yeah. just a matter of who's on the panel. I would agree. And just to kind of give you guys a heads up how, like, I'm thinking about Game of the Year, I really like the kind of funny method method, or method method. Method uh, method. <laughs> Uh, where it's not just what came out this year. It is also kind of what you discovered this year or uh, what you invested in this stuff. It can be still things that came out this year, um, which I think if we were essentially like a company uh, or something like that, and I actually do want to do it where we have a kind of consensus for the most part on a game of the year as far as the two of us, but I think you can have your own personal ones that you're like, Yo, this game was like what impacted me the most, yeah. what I really enjoyed that came out, that defined 2019 for me. So I will say, I'll start by saying, I don't think that there's anything that's like a clear, clear winner for me this year so far. I would like, agree. There's no God of War or yeah. Spider-Man or Red Dead as far as that. You're like, yeah. that's what it's between. Exactly. I know that's what it's between. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of the problem in my head. Like, I look at all these games and... I enjoyed a lot all of these games but it's just like how do i decipher which one's the best because they're all very similar there's nothing that stands above so my first one is gears 5 
Gears 5 for me is the second best Gears game. Uh, Gears 3 was by far my favorite. Not by, I shouldn't say by far. That's not really fair to Gears 5. Gears 3 was really good. I love the campaigns and multiplayer. Uh, Gears 5 had great campaign. The multiplayer, again, I just don't get into the multiplayer that much. Um, I just felt there was a little bit more to be desired in their new mode. I don't think um, you have to necessarily be, though. Like, you loved all modes. This is this, this just no. a game that impacted you yeah, this year. I agree. Uh, and that's why, that's why it's on this list, because that campaign was amazing. And the events that unfold in the last act of that game are insane. Like, the character interactions, I don't, I'm not spoiling anything, but uh there were very emotional uh scenes in the very end of that game so do you just want to go like round robin just kind of throw out both of sure. our like some of our so sure. my uh first one is super mario maker 2 came out in june um that like is kind of on the top of my list at this point so i understand that this game isn't necessarily a single player mario in the sense that you like want a cake story as far as like Bowser stole Peach, that type of thing. Yeah. It's um, it's not in it for the story. It's in it for the creativity and the community itself. Mm-hmm. I thought all the ideas that they figured out during the Wii U, for as undersold as that game did on the Wii U just due to that system, yeah. I think they have a real banger on their hands with Super Mario Maker 2. Which, didn't they add the ability to use the touchscreen on the Switch now? They didn't have that initially at launch, but I think they added that, didn't they? I thought it was at launch. Oh, did Because I thought I could remember touching the screen. Oh, maybe. I, I, I could just, be wrong, but... Yeah, I was just thinking people were outraged about that. Yeah. And, uh, the only thing that they don't like is that you don't have a stylus. Gotcha. But the European pre-order came with a Mario stylus. Gotcha. But uh, that's just the Europe one. Um, but I really had a lot of fun with this game when it came out. Um, I loved playing the user-created levels. I loved, actually, that they did this whole campaign of a 100-level thing. Yes, that's um, very cool. It was really neat. I beat them all uh it was not the easiest of tasks uh, it ended up being i think 120 with the bonus levels but i thought that was a really interesting thing that everyone was like okay cool the community is creating this i want to yeah. see what the actual creators of mario yeah. do with like crazy tools like what the community did yeah. um so like it was really cool to experience that stuff that you never will experience in a mario game that's what i was going to ask you that that it was actually developed by nintendo mm-hmm. which is awesome so yeah like i can specifically remember a dry bones level that was like the hardest thing in the world because you had to glide a shell on lava. But it was from the creators of it who never really anticipated the dry bone shell to be used like that, like the community did. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool that they took that idea that people have been doing. Because obviously it's new blood in the Mario team. It's not like the same old people from the 1980s and 1990s. So it's really cool that like people our age get to create these things and kind of what we always thought. Uh, Like, dude, wouldn't this be cool in a Mario game? Agreed. We kind of got to live that fantasy. That's awesome. Uh, so my next one, I think this one, if there's one that's at the top of my list, this one might be a hair above everything else just because of how much I enjoyed it. And to, to preface this, I never played the original. So Resident Evil 2 Remake that came out this year. I, I, that's one I have to play this year. Yes. I never played the original Resident Evil 2, but the remake was absolutely phenomenal. I loved every aspect of it. It really makes the gameplay of a third-person Resident Evil game really good. It combines the great feeling of Resident Evil 5's controls, but has it in the setting of like a Resident Evil 1, where you're more confined and... uh, you know, you ha- you're more limited in your area that you can go to, so that kind of makes it more raccoon. Sh- that makes it more stressful. 
Well, no, you are in Raccoon okay. City to start the game, but then you go into the PD, the police department. Oh, uh, okay. Ninety percent of the game takes place in the I'm, PD. I'm, I was thinking that you're not on the streets at all, yeah. like no matter what. Oh okay. no, no, no. Okay, you that's are. what I was worried about. I was like, no. Resident Evil Two took place on the streets. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, so. You do start the game on the streets, yeah. but ninety percent of the game takes place in the PD mm. or below the PD. But anyways, that game is absolutely amazing. I love. This is the kind of remake slash remaster that I love seeing because it was completely like remade. There's no code here that's from Resident Evil 2. It was a game built from the ground up uh, to be a brand new game in the vein of Resident Evil 2. It wasn't made using Resident Evil 2's engine and up-resing it and, or anything like that. It was a brand new game built from scratch, which I love to see that kind of stuff. I hate seeing like simple up res or, you know, let's just improve the texture quality or something like that. I want to see new stuff like why this game deserves to be a great game in 2019, not necessarily back in 2000. My only question for you, is there an alligator in a sewer? A giant alligator in the sewer? That'd be disappointing if there, there wasn't. I think there is, actually. Because that was like a huge thing with Resident Evil 2. That you didn't expect it and you got just got killed by an alligator. It's been a while, but I'm pretty... Yes, there was. Yes. Yeah. It's very late in the game. See, yes. I'm really looking forward because they've already announced that as Nemesis. Because is, Nemesis was actually my favorite from the PS1 days. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. now I get it. They have the Tyrant. I can't remember what they call him, Mr. X. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a new mechanic that is in Resident Evil 2 compared to the original. Um, but I, I love that you have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and I really like the randomness of that whole thing. Um, so I'm going to skip the next one because I think you and I can just both talk about it. Yeah. Um, my, uh, second one is actually, I'm going to run through this a little faster because I talked about this ad nauseum. Apex, um, I get it. I put myself on a hiatus and a timeout of it right now, but <laughs> it's you, only a matter of time. You can't lie that like whenever you saw me playing, this was my game. Yeah, and this did come out this year, actually February fourth. Um, this has such an impact on me right now. It really is one of my, if not the leading, one of my top two leading for this year. Yeah. Um, it really made me appreciate Respawn as a developer, not as EA as a publisher. If that makes sense, like. EA let basically respawn, do what you want to do, fail and succeed. Yep. Uh, I think they have failed with the microtransactions, but they're trying to figure out how to create this whole thing. But they have succeeded in gameplay and getting people there. I mean, this game was touted at the beginning as the Fortnite killer. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not the Fortnite killer. No. Uh, kids didn't jump on it or stay on it as much as they were hoping, but it yeah. still created a very popular fan base. Oh, yeah. This got me into online gaming where nothing else could. Mm-hmm. I think a lot has to do with my group of friends that we all kind of gathered around this game. Um, but this is truly one of the first free-to-play games that I could ever remember feeling like this is a stellar, stellar thing that they launched. Yep. I've only spent total, excuse me, for the amount of hours I have, and I don't even want to know how many hours, I spent $20 on the first Battle Pass, and that's it. I haven't spent a single dime, and honestly, I've thought about spending more, even though I don't really care about the cosmetics that much, but yeah, I, just, yeah, I just appreciate the time and care that they that they put into this. They've developed a story similar to like Overwatch and Blizzard and stuff like that, and now you, I know you're playing it uh, with your friends online, and you're having... 
in a sense, that same experience I am too, where it's just like the camaraderie, like it's in and out so quick. Yes, you might be the 19th or 20th squad out. Yep. Two minutes later, you're back in a game and just having fun again. Agreed. So I, I, I really love, I think they have something special on here that I think is going to carry into next gen. Agreed. So I guess uh, the next one I'll talk about is Control. So Control came out of, what, August? Uh, I, I made yeah, it late through, August, I think. Yeah, I made it through it pretty quickly. It was only like an eight or nine hour experience. But for me, that's what made it so good was having such a refined story in such a small amount of time. Because as we have continuously said on here, like time is at a premium with us. Like we don't have the time that we once had. So eight to nine hour experience that gives you a Sam Lake story with great gameplay and very cool new mechanics. That was what I loved about that game. It had a lot of stuff in it that uh, really reminded me of Quantum Break, which I love Quantum Break. I know not not many people are like, I love Quantum Break, but I loved Quantum Break except for that final boss battle that was atrocious. If they would have fixed the reticle for me, I would have been fine with it. Yeah. I could not stand the white reticle. So for me, Control is very very much in that same vein. I love the game. Uh, I love the gameplay. I love the powers. I love the story. Um, Sam Lake continues to deliver with some crazy stories. Uh, I'd love to see him freaking go back to Alan Wake uh, and kind of continue that. Well, they have story, DLC but... coming out too, don't they? Soon for Control, yes. yeah, that's what I thought. Yep, they've got a whole uh, bunch. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely coming. one I want to check out. I know actually a couple days ago it was like almost forty dollars on Amazon, maybe actually, even cheaper than that. I just saw something I think yesterday that it was twenty four ninety nine on Amazon. So that makes sense. I, I think that's going to be a Black Friday thing that I might yeah. end up picking up for it, but it does look cool. Yep. Um, so this one I kind of want to take for both of us, mm-hmm. and that is Borderlands 3. Yep. Um, this is actually probably my number one at this point now that I'm thinking about it, with just how much I, my anticipation for this game was like over the moon. Like I had a plan in place how to like stop Apex to get into this game. Yeah. I took a vacation for it. Like I got so into it. I loved everything about it, minus the glitches, yeah. uh, which, for the most part, I don't, they were fixing it towards the end of my play yeah. uh, for it. So hopefully, when going back into it here tomorrow, I'm going to see a lot of things fixed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just I loved how they continued the Borderlands series. I love how they incorporated Tales of the Borderlands characters. I liked how they wrapped up, in a sense, this trilogy yeah. of uh, games. I don't know where they go from here for it, but I'm hoping that. The success of three so far has shown that made, this is a franchise we should keep being invested in. Yeah. Um, I know you had a blast playing as um, Fl- Flack. Flack, yep. Beast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I really want to play as like some of the other characters as I've done in the past for it. Yeah. Um, I, it's just it's such a memorable game for me that I'm going to remember this year by that game. I think the craziest thing for me is that uh, how long that game took to come out between Borderlands <laughs> 2 and 3 and how hyped up people were for it. Like, they wanted this game yeah. bad, and how much this game lived up to that potential. I would agree on that. Yeah, I didn't that, even think about that part. That, that to me, is the most surprising thing about this game, is, like, they, they delivered a great sequel. Yep. Um, so, that that was definitely a great a great win for uh, Gearbox, uh, especially after they released, uh, what was it called? Their Overwatch? Oh, God, clone. Chris played it a lot, and I uh, made fun of him for it. Crap. Um, 
I forget the name. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. That's going to annoy me. But that just tells you how bad it is. And actually, the day that that game came out, the Overwatch beta started. And I tweeted at Randy Pitchford because everyone knows I can't stand him. And I said, Battleborn. Battleborn. And I was, I tweeted at him. I was like, yeah, I'm sitting here playing uh, Overwatch beta on over or on Battleborn launch day, and I tweeted at Brandy Pitchford. He responds with, "Yeah, those guys are real jerks for releasing on the same day." I'm like, dude, give me a break. It's the freaking game industry. That's the whole yeah. point. You can you compete against each other. It's, but it's been such a good win for this team for yeah. this game. Agreed. Um, I I'm loving what I'm hearing so far as plans for DLC and free DLC. Yeah. So we'll see what's going on with that. Um. I know you don't have, like, too many other, uh, or really anything else that you have on your list, yeah, but that's it. I think right now you might agree with that chicken horse game. That's, like, been something that you've been really enjoying with your friends. Yeah. Not saying game of the year, but Indie just, game. like, yeah, it's just a fun, fun game. And, uh, uh, speedrunners as well. Yeah, uh, two games that I discovered this year that came out, um, Messenger was last year, I played a crap ton of that a ninja gaiden-esque clone with some metroidvania elements i really enjoyed that yeah. uh, when it came out on the switch ori and the blind forest that came out recently i never got into it on an xbox loved it um when it came out as i talked about last week really enjoyed that i didn't give these other two games as much time as i want to but they're yeah. very high on my list um devil may cry 5 and sekido shadows die twice um Sekido, everyone knows my love for from. souls game and from themselves yeah. uh i really do want to get more into it i i don't know if i gave it the time that it deserved yeah uh devil may cry i really hope you get a chance to with game pass at some point when you get a free moments it's just hard i played the first mission actually oh you did okay yeah. last week i played the first mission of it because i know pass. you played a ninja theory yes um yes uh, version DMC. of Devil May Cry, but not yeah. Capcom like how it was. Traditional. So yeah. obviously you don't know who the characters are, but I really did like how it's less of only Nero. Uh, it's got a mix, a pretty good even mix of Dante, Nero, and this new character V, yeah. which I won't get into spoilers for, but it's very cool how they all differ in between. Like mm. Nero's arms, I see that was a really cool mechanic that you got to. Yeah ride his attachable arms as a as a rocket and still keep slaying demons that is cool yeah i so it was a it's so far been a very good year for games i i don't think we'll ever look at this though as like the pinnacle year no, for no, no. any of these consoles it's definitely these, not yeah. 2018 it's not it's not 2018 which is this generation's 2007 very soon, um yeah. But still, it, it had some very good experiences. I think we're going to continue to have some good experiences throughout the end of this year. I know you and I aren't at all fans of this franchise. Yeah. But the fact that uh, we have uh, a Pokemon game coming out this year that we all know is going to sell gangbusters, even if it's not something yeah. you and I do, that's going to be huge. Yep. Um, Call of Duty, I know you're planning on getting that. Yep. Um, so that still comes out, and it's actually shaping up to be a good game, not a clunker. Hopefully. Yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that they have a single-player element. I do yep. actually want to watch that. And 2020's lineup of games is going to be insane. I don't even want to talk about 2020. Like, I'm so scared. It's going to be insane. I have We have more than likely at least the console piece to buy, yeah. plus some 
bangers, just straight up bangers coming out at the end. Halo Infinite. I mean, no, no, that's not at the end though. That's still that's that's your launch game. I'm talking about you oh, got gotcha. you got Last of Us, yeah. you got Cyberpunk, I, I gotcha. have Final Fantasy, of Avengers. This, yeah. Like, I mean, that's before these new consoles that's before come the out. New, yeah. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's overwhelming, man. And then once you buy all those games, here's here's the crazy thing. Once you buy all those games, they're gonna sell them to you again on the next gen. Well, they don't have to though, because well, both have announced backwards compatibility with yeah, this generation. That's true, yeah. but you know those companies are gonna end up. There's gonna be a way, yeah, or something, or upgrade, upgrade yeah. your textures for this amount of money, whatever. Uh, so before we go into our top five, I just want to do a shout out real quick to uh, both Tyler and Christina, friends of the show, because last week we had an audio issue. And we did not know about said Again, audio issue. We, we, we. Well, you know what? Daniel, I, it was, I'm the talent. It was not. You're the engineer. It was not my fault, okay? So thank you guys for pointing out that uh, our audio was messed up. That allowed me to go in there and tweak it on the fly. And then uh, I had to fix it in, in the post-production. But I appreciate you guys uh, pointing that out to us. So uh, our top five for the week is top five weapons and games. Sorry, the last two things are all lists. Yeah. We, won't, we won't spend too much time yeah, on this. Yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> that is pretty bad. Uh, so my first top five is Halo CE Magnum. This is widely known as one of the most OP guns in the history of video games because Jason Jones, to make a long story short, Jason Jones, the uh, owner of Bungie, the co-founder of Bungie, he went in at the last second right before the game went gold and was sent to retail or, or sent to, uh, to be produced or whatever, mass produced, and he changed the code for the Halo C Magnum and boosted the power of it. And that was probably the most iconic part of Halo CE's weaponry. Two shots. Yes. That Two thing. shots is all it takes. So the running joke is is people show the sniper rifle in Halo CE and they show the Magnum and they're like, hey, they're both sniper rifles. <laughs> the Magnum's a sniper. It's a close range weapon. It's just, it's insane. That is one of the most OP guns in the history of video games. So I want to keep it on Halo CE because that is a memorable game. And I remember the first time uh, firing the Needler. Um, so I know it's not like m one of the most beloved guns, not even in just the franchise, but a lot of people found it to be just a shield killer. Mm. But I'm really looking at it from a multiplayer aspect. Like when you had that in the original CE, yeah. you could be unstoppable for a few kills because all you had to do was just land an entire clip in them, which was pretty easy, yep. and boom, they're gone. They're gone. I mean, I just remember, like, you would get so pissed off, more so at the person that had the Needler than the Magnum. Yeah. You, you understood the Magnum, because if you had it, you were the same. Exactly. But Needler, you'd either be good with it or bad with it. And everyone starts with the Magnum. Yes, so. yeah. So I, I really love, I will always remember Halo for introducing that type of gun to the series. Yeah. So next up, uh, to kind of keep the train rolling on the Xbox train, we have the Gears of War Lancer. So really the entire series, the Lancer, is just an incredibly strange you but brought awesome... Uh, oh, wait a minute. Just well, no. wait. wait. I don't want to do dead air yeah, on this. So he loves the Lancer, but I don't get it. It's not a good franchise. Uh, now he's back. So I there, love Gears of War. The Gears of War Lancer. This thing is absolutely insane. Every I mean, girl just melted the, yeah. just seeing you. Carry you know what? That. They did. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Cliff Blazinski has been on record about the creation of this beast, and uh, 
it's just insane that they just came up with the idea to stick a chainsaw on a gun. Like, that's just... It sounds like a Cliffy B thing to it, do. It is such a Cliffy B thing to do, but it's such an awesome gun, and it's just... I don't know. I, I love this gun, so... Um, my next one, I'm gonna just kind of finish out my guns in a sense, is the Cerebral Boar from Turok 2, Seeds of Evil. Um, this was an N64 game, and I love the hell out of this game. Um, don't get me wrong, it's very hard to go back to these days, cause this had the fog like no other, as far as your field of view. Mm. Um, so a lot of it was, but basically it was, like, it drilled into somebody's brain, blew them up from the inside... And it was like kind of like a homing thing too. Uh, yeah. Very very gory sense. Especially everyone knows that Turok was gory. Yeah. I mean, it had a Xena like uh, throwable chainsaw in a way that cut off heads and stuff like that. That was pretty accurate or limbs. Yeah. Um, but it was it's such an iconic gun in that series that if I know they're kind of testing the water to see if that should come back when they release the first one for Switch again. Yeah. Um, not even a remaster, just the N sixty four version, but. Excuse me, this was such a fun gun to have when you were able to find it. That's cool. That is cool. Uh, this next one, this comes from one of my... No, this is. This is my favorite brand new franchise from the Xbox 360 generation. That's a bold statement, but Assassin's Creed's Hidden Blade. I loved that, just that feeling of being an assassin, and that Hidden Blade was just such a cool, like, mechanism, like... The fact that it retracted into the uh, gauntlet and then, like, came out when you wanted to go to uh, assassinate someone, like your enemies, that was such a cool thing for me personally. Like, Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, uh, Revelations. Brotherhood, when you could finally upgrade it, it was almost a... Um, duel. A, a, well, not just a duel, but actually used in combat, yeah. too. Yes, yeah, and, like, that that hidden blade was just so much fun to, to use and jump off rooftops and assassinate people with it. It's so such a cool idea. I really wish they would kind of, I know we're in a new realm of Assassin's Creed, yeah. but I would really like kind of a remake of the first one, not necessarily yeah. Ezio trilogy. Cause I actually think that Ezio trilogy is perfect the way it is. I agree. But I would really like to see like what a reimagining of Altair. Assassin's yeah, story would yeah. be I agree. Um, in today's world. Agreed. Um, my next one is a little, not as well known as his other weapon, but it's the Alistair in the original Devil May Cry. Hmm. So Dante is always known for having uh, his trusty sword Rebellion, which later on turns into the sword Sparta after like his dad and everything. But hmm. Alistair is actually the first sword that you come across in the game that's a, like a new weapon for you to have. And it's an electrified sword uh, that like increases your speed and all this stuff. And how you even come about it, Dante gets... He sees it stuck on a wall. The sword starts talking to him kind of like through his mind. Yeah. And it just gets stabbed right through his heart. And then he comes back out with it just gushing and him coming out of it. And heck? you realize, okay, nothing can really kill him because yeah. he's a demon right. or a half demon at that point. Uh, so it's really cool that like that's how they introduced it. It became my go-to weapon in Devil May Cry 1. Even after I got Sparta, um, the better sword of it as far as damage. But... I just remember that sword so much more than anything just because of the electri electrification of it all. But it was just cool. a really cool introduction on how to get a weapon. Cool. Killing you. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. That's kind of a scary thought. That would probably give me nightmares. So, I mean, yeah. it's not well, but Devil May Cry was, the first one was kind of, 
marketed as a horror action Ooh. game. Um, the original, uh, like it, it was stylized action, and obviously it's very action heavy now. Right. But it was marketed towards that because I believe it it came with a Resident Evil demo. I can't remember which one, but um, that was like a huge selling point because remember like. Zone of Enders was a huge seller because it had a Metal Gear Solid 2 demo. That, um, that kind of sounds similar to the original Gears of War because that was kind of supposed to be like a horror type yeah. of experience and then it kind of evolved. Yeah, from evolved there, into but, it. Um, so, cool. So, my next one is a gun that really doesn't cause a lot of damage, but. A lot of frustration I mean, damage. It does <laughs> cause frustration. But uh, the Portal gun from Portal, that gun was just. There's no idea, I think, uh, uh, for a weapon that would be more crazy than a portal gun. And that worked so well with puzzles and everything. And it, it, it fit the game perfectly, obviously, because that was what the game was, portals. And the fact that, like, high schoolers created this. High schoolers created this game. And then Valve, I guess, uh, got a hold of it and brought them in and helped them develop it. That from what I remember, yes, yeah, and and turned it into the original portal that was included in the orange. I'll box. never trust anybody giving me cake ever again. And what, can we just talk about for a second the greatest game combination in history is the orange box? Like that's absolutely insane. Second best one, I would agree. What was the best one? You know my best one. Halo you hate the no. Master Chief Collection. You're right. Super Mario All Stars. Halo the Master Chief Collection. You're right. How could I think of it? Forget Super Mario All Stars? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've actually been kind of spitballing this in my mind. I really want to like if we ever do a Let's Play series. Yeah. I want you and I to do co-op Portal Two. Oh, jeez. Um, I did it uh, with Chris before, like when yeah. it came out ten plus ten years ago. Yeah. But. That is, and I get it, Valve's not in the business really of making games too much, besides that one that they announced, I guess, this year, but God, the Portal series, please come back. I know. Like, I I know you love Left 4 Dead. I get liking Left 4 Dead, but that's, I would rather Portal come back than Left 4 Dead. How about this? The Orange Box 2. Give us Half-Life 3, Portal 3, uh, Team Fortress 3. Give us all the threes, Valve. What are you doing? Left 4 Dead 3. Left 4 Dead 3. Literally, every freaking game that is so good with Valve, it's they end and don't give us the third game. It's, it's because they make so much more money on League. So stupid. <laughs> Steam. League and Steam just pay for everything. So dumb. I, I agree. God, I would love that. Give us all the threes, Valve. Uh, so my next one is the Master Sword from Legend of Zelda. Um, this is more due to, um, the iconness of the sword rather than what it does. Um, cause most of the time you don't get the master sword until later on in the game. It's a symbol um, of what you're it going is, for. Yes. Um, but it is such a, that and the Hylian shield are so iconic with like that and the Triforce. Yeah. Like, you know what that's from immediately. Um, actually, I feel like for once they used it correctly in Breath of the Wild, because mm-hmm. you could actually get that very early, mm-hmm. depending on how you went about with your hearts. Because True. you just needed a certain amount of hearts. I believe it was 12 in order to pull it out. Yeah. Um, and then you could upgrade it too, so where it doesn't break. Yep. Um, you could do that before you really go into too many of the shrines or the, um, the bosses. So it, it's just always been in every game. And everyone knows that they associate it with Link having it. Uh, so I, I will always love that sword. I just wish you got to use it more often than not. 
Our new roommate, by the way, is freaking out right now. My dog, yeah. Uh, my dog is uh, staying the week, and she is freaking Burying out herself on, in a blanket. on the blanket. I wish she could see this right now. This is quite entertaining. Anyways, my last gun is the plasma cutter from Dead Space. Ugh, so good. There, I don't think there's anything more satisfying than shooting the plasma cutter and knocking off uh, the Xeno... Not Xenomorphs. I wanted to say Xenomorphs. Uh, Necromorphs. Necromorphs. You were close. Necromorphs, arms and, and legs and head. It's just so satisfying. Never the head. Never go for the head. Well, the head doesn't yeah, kill that them. Is scary. The, head, yeah. the head does not kill yeah, them. Yeah, and then they start yeah. coming at you. Yes, but it's so satisfying to use the freaking plasma cutter. And, like, that's one of the crazy things about Dead Space. It came out in 2008, I believe, or seven, something like that. And it was very revolutionary in that regard. You chop off one of its legs, and it would still crawl to you, like, with one of its legs crawling. And you shoot the other leg, and it's still crawling with its arms. And it continues to come after you as you're doing that. And that... That to me was super innovative with the uh, the limb dismemberment. That was super awesome, and I'm sure that game was banned in Australia because they don't more than likely, that. yeah. But I I will. I God, can that series just come back, please? Yes, please like, give us. That I don't need it to be visceral because I know they they're closed now. Uh, yeah, I know they're gone, and we're not a big we're not huge fans of Dead Space Three besides the co op stuff. Right, but like God. That series gone way too soon. Yep. Uh, my last one is another iconic one that you pretty much always have, except for maybe a bit in the last game. Uh, the Chains of Olympus from God of War. Uh, so everyone knows Kratos when he has these chains. I mean, he, it's yeah. just so iconic. They're wrapped on him. Um, they revolutionized, in my opinion, how combat was looked at because a lot of things copied them like heavenly sword um and kind of like just the speed of them and what you were able to do with the combos um i get it it wasn't as much and yes this is a spoiler i'm sorry but the last but god of war did have chains of olympus wait what the story it did I would assume if you beat it, you got to that point. I've never played any of the God of Wars except for 2018 God of War. That's sad. They were actually good, just not story actually, good. I, I kind of lied. I played a little bit of 3. 3 is really good yeah. uh, as far as the, the culmination of everything. But yeah. anyways, like the Chains of Olympus are so... You just feel like the angriest person when you're doing it. Because he is obviously an angry character, but like... Yeah. The amount of gore and what you do with it, even when they go into like the uh, quick scenes, quick cutscenes where you're like quick ripping time quick time events, yeah, when you're ripping things apart with them. Yep. I'll never forget, uh, I believe it was either God of War 2, yeah, uh, where the first time you see a Cyclops, you like get them down and then you do the quick time, and like literally with the chains of Olympus, you have it stabbed into the cyclops necks and then you're just ripping out the eye with your other chain and then like you're holding it up and then slam it down oh. and it's just like you just feel like even though these are very small blades they don't look powerful yeah because of his aggression they become such a a, a powerful weapon for him to use that's crazy that is absolutely insane it, they were and very, very Kr gory games. And I don't even think this last one was that gory. Kratos and Kratos is no longer an angry man in this last game. He's more of a father. He has to yeah, be a father. He just, yeah, boy. That's, boy. that's father. That's boy, father. Boy, come here, boy. And every time he speaks, I think Teal'c from Stargate. 
All right, guys, that's the end of our show. Uh, appreciate everybody watching live. Uh, remember, you can join us Wednesdays at 8 p.m. live on YouTube. You can just search us, Podcast PXN. And uh, really appreciate you guys coming out. And we will see you guys next week. Deuces. See you.